work week, am I right? But do you know what would make it a little bit better? Doing church on a Sunday and then listening to a podcast about the sermon. Welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem, a production of Liberty Church Collingswood. Each week we'll spend some time unpacking Sunday sermonics, and we hope that you'll be able to connect a little deeper with the message and the messenger. It's a win, if we can make your work week a little less blue. House lights down. Welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem. Yes. This is my husband here, Jim Anger. Hello. And we are practicing an exercise of, um, how old are we? Can we remember <laughs> back two weeks? <laughs> That's right. So we thank, well, I want to thank Brandon Best for preaching at Liberty Collingswood this past Sunday. For the Post Sunday Blues this week, we decided to go back to the Easter sermon that I preached instead of debriefing Brandon's sermon simply because I wanted to finish off the sermon series from Easter. Wait, I thought you wanted to talk to me. <laughs> that, that, that too. I thought you wanted to sit here and um, and hear my hear my thoughts on your sermon. <laughs> <laughs> Always. So happy Easter. Yes. Right? <laughs> we're, mentally yeah, going, we're mentally going back in time. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And um, you started off your sermon saying happy birthday, Liberty. So it was happy Easter plus happy birthday. That's right. Yeah. Um, it was a little bit of a, it's been kind of a nostalgia tour. When you ever, whenever you return to your parents' place, I'm sure it's a nostalgia tour. <laughs> but I, I yeah. thought that the beginning of the sermon was uh, for, in itself, a nostalgia tour for you. Yeah. Um, so that was the, the mental space that you were in pre- Spring break vacation. Mm -hmm. Where were you? Can you bring us back to that Easter morning? Yes. So, as we call it Stormy Monday, the occasion was on my mind more than usual, doubly so because not only is it Easter, and Easter is a big Sunday in the life of the church, Em, as you know, but then also, I don't know even if a good majority of our congregants, people at Liberty Collins, would know that it's also our birthday Sunday every year because we launched way back in 2013, regular worship on Easter Sunday. It's been better, but harder than I thought it would be over, Nine years. The, over these years. They said it couldn't be done. So yeah, I was thinking about the birthday of our church, and then also it was fun to be able to fill in the picture about Easter Sunday a little bit more. It was also fun to receive our first batch of recovenanted right, people right. on Sunday morning as part of the Represence Initiative, asking people who's still with us for this next season of life and ministry, and then also some in covenant people as well. So between Easter, main thing, Liberty Collingswood's birthday, in covenant, recovenant, plus baptism, yeah. uh, both, both adult and child, there were a lot of things going on. Great things to celebrate. The, yeah. The, the church was full of flowers. And, and, I, and I, I was tired. It was so afterwards. warm that day. Um, <laughs> and and per uh, Perfect morning to have an outdoor <laughs> coffee and pastries. And the, um, the other thing is that it was the first Easter. Wait, was it the first Easter church? Or would we, did we have Easter at church last year? <laughs> we, no, we had no, not, yeah, we had see, not that's, that's what publicly regathered. So it was the first Easter after everyone was saying, oh, we'll be back by Easter Yeah, from COVID pandemic. It was our first Sunday of gathered worship on Easter morning since 2019. Yeah, I was having a really hard time, like, remembering what we did to celebrate Easter each time, each year, because I feel like 
you feel like COVID's only been a year, but it's mm-hmm. been two Easter's. And Across we did two, two different Easter Five things Girls, over COVID. Easters. And like those two were conflating in my head. Yeah. Um, so anyway, it's it's just an interesting passage of time marker. Yeah. And our first Easter Sunday, 2 um, at Holy Trinity. So, right, so if right, you're right, thinking right. back, hey, when was the what was the first Easter at Holy Trinity like when we <laughs> gathered together? <laughs> and, so and weird time there was, warp. There was none until yeah. two Sundays ago. So I thought it was a good celebration. So it was, it was fun. It was good. Um, and are you, are we going to, mem- like, is the Easter, Easter birthday, mm-hmm. it, mo- it moves like Easter does? It doesn't move like the date of the celebration. Good question. Our... So and it... then are you marking it by, I guess you're marking it by the official launch and not the pre-service. Yes. So to the first question, there are two ways to figure our birthday. Sort Sort of like, I don't know, would it be the equivalent of somebody who's born on a February 29th when, no, or, or I, born on Mardi Gras, say. So, yeah. Because Mardi Gras floats along I mean, the we have calendar. a kid who was born, like, Thanksgiving. Like, he doesn't float on Thanksgiving. I guess literally he was not he born was not on Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Right. But if he was, would we be, I guess we might be. That's the thing. Born. Yeah, if he actually was born mm. on Thanksgiving, we might think about his birthday in slightly different terms. Okay. So, the... We could either figure our birthday from the closest Sunday to our launch Sunday. I think it was March 31st, 2013. Mm-hmm. But in some ways, it's more fun just to just to key it to Easter. Although, if we do Next have a 10-year birthday, with the 10th, I think maybe you we... do March 31st. Because right. Because... There's just be a lot of moving pieces involved well, with Easter. if you want, like, Steve Huber or other pastors yeah. to be able to, like... You know, join us and celebrate, right, like, like we did at Liberty Harrisburg. It's a little earlier. bit harder to um to <laughs> like could, get them to skip Easter Sunday. They could could you skip Easter? Delivery <laughs> <Come laughs> calling. Yeah, I think you should do it that way. Right, but like then you could look and see that Easter actually falls that weekend. I don't know. Whatever. Yes. Yeah. Okay, that's for someone else to look at. What was not the second me. question? Uh heard, oh, said... pre-services versus pre-launch versus soft launch versus right real launch yeah i had no idea when we started monthly preview services if we'd ever get to regular worship so (laughs) there's no use also that's like in was that december uh that was december of 2012 december is a terrible time to have a birthday party so and then we had four preview services december january february Actually, it was November. November, December, January, Ugh, even February. Even worse for mar- me, <laughs> personally. Yeah. Um, uh, family planning <laughs> tip for anyone who's into that kind of thing. Don't right. don't let your kids be born in November or December. It's like, it's not, it's not the best. It's a problem. <laughs> every year it's a problem. Yeah, every year for like 20 years you're going to have an issue. Um, okay, I won't go into that because that, we've already gone on our... Different our, podcast. Um, yeah. Um... So, yeah, so you were, a lot of things were going on. You were really excited to be celebrating all these different milestones. Um, How did that affect your sermon planning? It just added more pressure. That's the bottom bottom line. You did great. I thought you did great. So I I wanted to be mindful that this would not be a Sunday where the sermon would go over long time-wise. It was a pretty average sermon length for me, but not only that, wanted to... I think I mentioned earlier, do, do justice to the occasion and mm-hmm. different things. And then the other thing on my mind um, going in was balancing between this being an appropriate sermon text and sermon for Easter Sunday, but then also concluding our sermon series on practices of presence, too. Right. So I was trying to address a couple different bogeys yeah. throughout the sermon and throughout the morning. I think 
think sometimes when you have like multiple goals in mind, it can actually be more clarifying or punchy than if you were just like pulling a traditional Easter sermon out. I, I think okay. that's my personal or it oh. was it was kind of funny. Uh, my at Easter at our Easter meal um, with your family, my brother in law was saying that his pastors took a break from Revelation to preach oh, an right. Easter text. And we were like, Jim just preached going into the heart of the beast. So, so tell me more about like, can we move on to Sun Studio? Love it. Let's tell me more about choosing Revelation five. The presence of the Lord. So, part of it is I like to keep myself on my toes to choose yeah. diff- difficult sermon texts, and, and Revelation in some ways is pretty straightforward, mm-hmm. but then also deeply complicated at the same time. So, I think the real secret is that preachers like to just take breaks from what they're doing. Yeah, that's also also true. So I needed a sermon text about worship or gathered worship. And just thinking through different places in the scriptures where we see instances or commands or encouragements towards gathered worship, my mind went to Revelation 5, which I think I mentioned in the sermon is a worship scene par excellence. The curtain is pulled back, peeled back, and you see the throngs of heaven around the throne of heaven worshiping God and the Lamb. So I thought to myself, this would be a really fun, fun text to serve up on on an Easter morning. Right. And I'm not sure, we haven't preached on Revelation much at all. Maybe this might be the first one. Because you love eschatology because, so much. Be, because I'm an eschatology You're just nerd. waiting for it to be dessert. I'm a closeted eschatology nerd. <laughs> so the, yeah, I'm not sure how it felt in the room when I was reading through the passage, just because there is such fantastical imagery and trying to figure out how to present this sermon text to the congregation, I did take some time to think through how much interpretive background and framework do I need to give to have Revelation make sense? Because it is really, really weird. So I tried to do a little bit of it and without getting bogged down. Uh-huh. There's probably a, a whole dissertation's worth of background you could have given. Yeah, there is a ton. So, so hopefully I gave enough to say, hey, this is a scene from heaven, a revelation given to the Apostle John, where in super imagistic terms, we have Jesus being worshipped. Mm-hmm. And so it, I remember from seminary, there's an old story from Vern Poitras at Westminster Seminary who teaches the book of Revelation, who's also a student at Westminster years and decades ago now. He said that he was really struggling to figure out how to interpret Revelation because you do have all this fantastic imagery and then especially in American Christianity, you have the the rapture and the end times. What does all that mean? And how do we apply different parts of Revelation to historical events? And how can we read the tea leaves Mm -hmm. of current history through Revelation? There's a lot. There's a lot. And he was thinking through, oh, we, we avoided Easter dinner conversation with some of those things that usually it it often goes in in that direction. (laughs) But he tells the story that there was a, a worker on campus who was reading Revelation in his spare time. And he asked the worker, what are you reading Revelation? And Vern said, oh, that book is really hard. How are you, how are you understanding it? And he says, I love the book of Revelation because it says that Jesus is going to win. Yeah. So that's the bottom line. You can get lost in the weeds of Revelation, but 
it's not the weeds, but the wind of Jesus, which is the through line and the bottom line for the book. Um, yeah, I love that. Like, I, I personally didn't find the jump into revolution, revolution, revelation. Jump into difficult. revolution. I know, I was thinking about it. revolution the whole time. My iced coffee. Um, but Cold brew. I, I would be interested in hearing if any Howlin' Wolves, like, were kind of startled by you choosing revelation. Or if they're <laughs> just like, the Howlin' Wolves are probably like, oh, it's just Jim, whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but... Who knows? Um, and we really missed out on naming one of our children Vern or Poitras. Yeah, I wonder I wonder if Vern is one of those old-fashioned names making a comeback nowadays. I don't think it is yet. I feel like Holland Wolves, I, we would um, we would buy you a dinner if you, like, name your kid Vern. Yeah. <laughs> With Sunday Blues naming, naming rally. Baby so. naming rally. If you can name your babies I after this love podcast, it more and more, Vern. That's, that's worth the dinner. I really like if I hadn't been so locked into biblical names, I think I think Vern would have for sure made well, it up there. You can you can name your next child, Vern. <laughs> can, maybe I can see if Micah will rename himself. Yeah. <laughs> you have you have unilateral naming maybe, privileges of your next child. Maybe we could get a puppy. <laughs> The only thing I would, anyway, no. That's a hard no. Things that Jim can't say on the podcast. Um, anyway, so Revelation. So, yes. And so you found it both interesting and challenging, and, and you like that. Interesting, and challenging, like and I like it. So also with Revelation chapter 5, it is a worship scene, but I've always been intrigued by the internal drama set up at the beginning of the chapter asking the question, who is worthy to open the scroll? Which at one level can feel pretty esoteric, but as we see John at the beginning of this passage, wondering if anybody's worthy, he begins to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open mm -hmm. the scroll and to look into it. But right. then the, the drama is resolved. Weep no more, behold, the lion mm -hmm. of the tribe of Judah, that's Jesus, the root of David, that's Jesus, has conquered so that he can open the scroll. And it's it's seven seals. So yeah. so it's always nice to have some internal conflict and release within a scripture passage. And that's what we had here in, in the book of Revelation. So it was a two-part sermon. The first part was who will carry you? Mm -hmm. And then we can talk about the promise by Bruce Springsteen and muddying the waters. But the who will carry first part was just basically about Jesus being worthy. Mm -hmm. And then the second part, I tried to relate it more practically to, to the worship. practice of presence, gathered gathered worship. With, mm -hmm. with the first part, talked through the passage and then spoke a little bit about both Jesus being worthy in himself uh -huh. as the object of our worship. And then also, and I didn't go into a ton of detail here because I think it would have been distracting. As you look at the book of Revelation and Revelation chapter 5, Jesus' worthiness is only completed by virtue of his career culminating in his crucifixion and resurrection. So the tricky part about that is that if you press that too far, you say that Jesus is not worthy in himself. I don't mean to imply that at all. Mm -hmm. But so key to Jesus and God's plan of redemption that his his person and work, which combined to make him worthy, require the cross for it. So, so woven into the identity of Jesus uh -huh. is the cross such that the, the 
the climactic reason that we worship him is, and I use the language on Sunday morning, the lion is the lamb Mm -hmm. and the lamb is the lion, bringing together different streams from the Old Testament, where the lion of Judah, the great conquering king, is also the lamb that was slain, which has captivated me from the beginning of my Christian journey, that that the one who is all-powerful and divine is the one that was killed as the least of humanity. Right. I think that time. resonates a lot. Like the concept, that concept does resonate. The The verse that you were reading from the weep no more. There's also the context of our pandemic life, which we keep on talking oh, yeah. about on the pod- podcast. So I, well, I don't, but that's where we are. Um, but the, like this Easter is a moment says stop weeping to recognize Christ's work. Um, yeah. And then you were, your concept of like talking us through the the Lent, Lent our Lenten practices and the internal your failure for not actually completing Lent. Ha ha, um, you're a failure. <laughs> and your Enneagram three uh, drive to um, to to succeed. Right. Spoken to. Yep. <laughs> My achiever and Who's not I not oh, achiever. You, yeah, you were talking to me recently about how the apotheosis of Enneagram 3, the achiever is actually to fail. And I, <laughs> I didn't quite understand what I that would say meant. that it like did, to embrace compute. being able to, this is actually it, to embrace being a failure is the height of understanding yourself as an Enneagram 3 who wants to succeed. And yeah. like that's the exact message here that Jesus carries us, like even though we keep messing up. Okay. Does... <laughs> you, you've checkmated me this time. <laughs> only this time um but yeah so then moving on to the gathered worship part um what how did you like what came first like bringing finding this passage and then because it spoke to gathered worship first good question so so the the process was like this because i wanted a passage on gathered worship I went into the scriptures looking for it, landed on Revelation chapter 5, but then next spent enough time on Revelation chapter 5 to do right by the passage in itself with the understanding that whatever passage of scripture that I would land on for this topic, the second part of the sermon was going to be about gathered worship, kind of no matter what what sermon text I I came from. So a little bit of a topical sermon, and I was going to mention at this point too, Clara gave me feedback after the sermon, so, so our, <laughs> She's a our fifth wolf. grader. So uh, to, to move up one Helen Wolf to this point, she said, Dad, I, I didn't see how your two points connected together. Ooh, and, Clara. And she was like, very, very kind about it. Normally, I find your preaching very interesting. But the first part was about Revelation 5 and Jesus is worthy. But then it seems like you just totally switched to gathered worship and I was like touche Clara so nice. she's she's seeing seeing under the hood a little bit although I, I explained to her and hopefully that it made she's sense. not allowed to speak to you about your sermon until Tuesdays <laughs> uh well it, it was it, it was on a Tuesday oh, so okay. yeah she she took her time and I tried to say that the connection is that this is a worship scene so as we see the throngs of heaven gathered around the throne worshiping Jesus. It's not inappropriate to talk about how we too can and should worship Jesus, even in the practical sense. And she said, okay. I mean, that was there. I, I, yeah, I think that that is, it actually does make sense that any, any 
sermon that was going to be about worship yeah. or gathered worship, like I would hope that the message is centrally about Jesus yeah. and worshiping Jesus for, for his work. Yeah. And I explained to Clara that just because you heard it in the sermon doesn't mean it's there and you need to become a better sermon listener. So <laughs> all these life lessons that we uh, impart yeah. upon our children. Helen Woods, I'm, I'm just kidding. I, I tell younger preachers that in preaching, you need to own not only your intent, but the effect of right. how it's heard. Right. And like, even if you uh, didn't intend to say something, if it had this effect on people or was heard a certain way, that's your responsibility and not the hearer's responsibility, like, like the which out, took me a while to learn. The shout out to the new members or new visitor, visitors who came that gathered worship who um, had heard in a previous sermon, you say oh. something like, uh, everyone knows I'm a math mate. I was a math major. <laughs> so assume that you were serious. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope I can connect with those people again and apologize. So I, I did make a joke in an earlier sermon about being a math major and a math PhD. And then we had church visitors that said, hey, I'm a, I have advanced degrees in math. I feel like Jim and I have a lot in I common. I was Only really that, excited. And then yeah. I had to crush him. Oh, man. <laughs> <sighs> well, we'll get back to that. Um, yes. Sorry, and I hope I can connect with J you again. Please J come back. Jim's sense of humor sometimes gets construed as not sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> Such a fine line sometimes. Okay, should we move on to muddying the water? Yeah, let's do um, it. So we've kind of talked about your construction of this sermon, mm -hmm. but because um, that's in as presence of the Lord, you want to speak a little bit more about. Um, well, it's also in muddying the waters if you look at the question there. Okay, that's true. <laughs> Go on. So what... Sorry, <laughs> you're distracting me. You lost... You broke me from my train of thought. Um, You've got this. So as you were constructing it and as you're talking to people who are in gathered worship, yeah. talk a little bit more about like, what is calling us to gathering the worship? What are you trying to like, what is the dynamic of people who are fighting against that right now? Yes. So understanding that gathered worship is a command, but it's not something that followers of Jesus necessarily put a lot of time into. And this is something in our home meetings. And when we were talking about gathered worship, I mentioned this at our, Home meeting, I, and it was built into some of the materials that, that Eric Mitchell put together. Churches, even in post-pandemic realities where there's a lot of thought about the relationship between Sunday mornings and Christian discipleship throughout the week, and we're trying to address some of those questions in part by offering different podcasts. But even now, churches put a ton of time and effort into gathered worship and on Sunday mornings. On staff meeting, senior staff meeting with Eric every Tuesday afternoon, including this one, we're going to game tape. And a lot of our game tape is about Sunday morning worship. But if a ton of time, thought, and energy is put into Sunday mornings on the part of church staff, it's not necessarily the case that Joe and Sally congregants put a ton of time, thought, and energy in, into worship. And I'm not saying it critically. It's just something that we just sort of do, sometimes go mm -hmm. through the motions, without giving a lot of intentional thought to. So whether in our home meeting module or this Sunday morning on Easter, wanting people to put some more intentional thought into how they comport themselves in worship, whether gathered in the room or as they're worshiping online. So I said stuff like, be present when you're present. Yeah, Don't, don't, I, don't phone it in. <laughs> I was just going to bring up that 
that be present while you were present for it because like literally was thinking or it's highlighted in my notes because I think that that's one of the uh things that I struggle with like I am always I'm often doing two things at once so Mm -hmm. you were mentioning like not doing dishes while you're doing while you're worshiping like I think I've literally done that like on Sundays when I haven't been able to be there like I've been like I've had my phone out with the worship service in the background while I've done dishes or during pandemic, um, our kids were like half, half studying flashcards for school while we're doing, doing like mindless homework. Like there's, there was a pastor's wife, um, retreat where, uh, just some challenges on being silent before the Lord where I think in our cultural context, like we're wanting to fill our mental space with sound, like maybe even some people listening to this podcast. Like I, I listen to podcasts constantly because yeah. I need something else going on in my brain. I can't just like have things be silent. Yeah, it's a it's definitely a learned behavior in this in this cultural moment. Here's here's a I'm not sure what I think about prophetic words, Em, but here's a prophetic uh-huh. word that I had related Uh-oh. to gathered worship from years ago. So uh-huh. at a previous church context, there was a friend of mine who came up to me after the service, a friend that I'll see again in a couple of weeks during the sermon, I think preparing to go into communion. So in that church context, I would have, did a lot of talking. So mm-hmm. the Old Testament lesson was a mini sermon. Then there was a sermon sermon, then another mini sermon before taking communion. And I said, as we prepare to take communion, now is not the time to think about who the Cowboys, Dallas Cowboys, or this is Texas, are playing later this afternoon, but we need to focus on on communing with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And my friend came up to me after the service and said, Jim, at that exact moment <laughs> you were saying that, I, I had my phone out and I was making sure that my DVR was set properly uh-huh. to right, right, record right. the mm-hmm. Cowboys. But he actually put his phone away, yeah. not knowing if the DVR was set because he wanted to be present when he was present. Right. So, so there's a lot man, of prescient. convicting moments about that. I think I, I felt that a lot when I was raising toddlers, like, Sometimes you're just distracted by your phone and like not sitting down and playing or not being present with the people you're with. Or that's yeah. a common complaint. Like our teenagers will, our older teenagers who are a little bit more snobbish about this will actually complain about circles of friends when like people, most people are on their phones. They're yeah. like, put down your phones and be present. And so, I, yeah, I'm not criticizing society because it's it's internal. It's internalized. Like yeah. I, I struggle with green it too. people. I think that's true. And we, and we need to grow. I, if you're a parent of young kids, babies, toddlers, worship is particularly harried with, with tons of distractions. But I think not only that. And I mentioned at some point later in the sermon that we shouldn't approach worship as consumers. So right. we, we should approach worship to give. Mm-hmm. We give our thanks to God. We give our voices. We lend our voices to others as we worship together. But this is true of me at my own church and then also when I'm in other church contexts too, it's so easy to be a critic where you're sitting there thinking, well, that song wasn't good or that liturgist was off or the sermon didn't make sense or the prayers went on way too long Mm -hmm. or man, I had a conversation before church with the person that was really weird. Right. And those are all of the things where, where we just have mental scorecards when it comes to gathered worship, Mm -hmm. but it's instead 
that gathered worship is designed by the God of the universe, where we unlearn our consumeristic behaviors right, and critiques and, of others and right yeah, and instead pressures. in a grace-driven way come as people motivated by jesus crucified and resurrected to give right and it is ironic that we often a church will actually foster the opposite where there are certain expectations for how you look or mm-hmm. um the way you're singing or the way you're presenting yourself yeah. and i think that i love liberty network for encouraging people to um come as they are and to be authentic about how they're feeling and doing for sure um, and it's one other thing there um, it's it's especially hard for pastors and staff because literally every week i and other liberty Collingswood staff members critique our worship service right, to, right, right. to do it or better you get so critiques from your or spouse. we receive critiques right so <laughs> i've actually tried to drop i i have like literally tried to like separate my critique brain and just like let let things go so it's it's not unnoticed. It's not <laughs> I will say like this is the going back back to the distracted things though. I literally on the same. Pr- it's actually right next to be present when you were present. I have a list of uh, things I needed to do. So I have driving lessons. I need to sign back <laughs> up. Wisdom teeth. Um, Busted. Deborah Stern. So uh, Horizon Healthcare. Eh, anyway. Right. Um, but Hey-o. in my defense, like. Some of that is that's going through my brain, so I write it down so that it's a mental dump, so I'm not right. like so you can forget about brewing it brewing on it because it's uh, listed out. But it is ironic that it's like literally right next to be present when you were present. Ironic. <laughs> I've done the, one of those driving lessons. I really need to sign him up for wisdom teeth removal. He's gonna be mad when it's you know, anyway. Yes. So also about <laughs> muddying <laughs> the waters here. Every, every Easter Sunday morning, and I I do have an internal question of how different should an Easter sermon be to a regular sermon, understanding that there's going to be a higher percentage of non-regular church attenders coming. And mm-hmm. I think that was true of Liberty Collingswood two, two Sundays ago. How much do I pivot to that versus do what I always do? And, and hopefully in my preaching generally, there is a level of hospitality where I don't sure. assume that it's only Christians in the room. But I do try regularly on an Easter Sunday to give a little bit of an apologetics thing, and then Josh McDowell style, old school apologetics, even about why why there is good evidence to believe right. in Jesus crucified and resurrected. So, give a little bit of a tidbit about, and I'm continually intrigued, and and this wasn't in such terms with some like 80s and 90s apologetics as much as somebody like N.T. Wright wrote a big book on the resurrection that emphasized the fact that we need to take seriously that Jesus after his crucifixion and resurrection was immediately worshipped by Bible-believing Jewish people as resurrected and nobody was expecting that and so whether it's the first and second commandments no other gods before me the fact that nobody was expecting a crucified messiah the fact that if there was going to be a resurrection it would mean the end of history not the middle of history and then this is more the old school apologetics john the writer of revelation was the only apostle that was not killed and martyred for his faith so wanted to throw that out there to to people and even some christians who might be wavering and saying is this really true is this real uh to be encouraged again to say, hey, there's this is a solid foundation. And one of the beauties of Christianity is that it's not based on a set of ideas, 
but it's instead rooted deeply in history, the same history and historical stream in which we're living too. Right. And there's that, the mystery of faith that we, there is something about faith that is, that requires understanding some elements of God and mystery and not, and not like, I don't know. Yeah. One of the beauties of Christianity, there is mystery and there is history. So in the same worship service where I'm giving good historical reasons, or at least I think they're good for believing in Jesus, our communion liturgy every week has together we proclaim the mystery of the faith. Mm-hmm. Christ has died, Christ has risen, right. and Christ will come again. Right, for Beautiful sure. stuff. Yeah. Are we ready for You were about to lead us to our band cover tunes. Last, oh, no, no I, you I, had I was one more not. thing. You were, you were about to... Correct me. So, well, let, let this be the bridge into bar band cover tunes. Okay. Bruce Springsteen's The Promise, uh-huh. where, and hopefully this this connected, this whole idea of who's going to carry us. Uh-huh. Uh, I felt like I was carrying the broken spirits of all the other ones who lost. Mm-hmm. I but, mean, I was more stuck on the phrase, he's weird, but I don't dislike him. <laughs> <laughs> About Bruce. The... <laughs> Right. So the, I think that is a messianic line coming from the boss, carrying the broken mm-hmm. spirits of all the other ones who lost. Jesus was broken and carried our spirits all the way through crucifixion and resurrection for, for us. So yeah, that was a fun mm-hmm. connection to make and also fun to yep. bring out the big guns for Easter because that's what we right. do. And bar band cover tunes, you were, you were also simultaneously remembering that nine years ago, ten years ago, it was 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, 10 years ago that you were interviewing for this position when, right. when uh, Steve Huber and Jared Ayers chatted about you. Yeah. So <laughs> I really needed to impress Jared, then the pastor at Liberty Center City, who was the next person to sign off on clan anger moving back up to this region to plant Liberty Collingswood. Steve said, hey, it's really important to get Jared on board at the very beginning of my first ever conversation with Jared, I criticized him for being over obvious with his Bruce Springsteen <laughs> references. <laughs> you know, I just figured if Jared's gonna give me a yes, we may as well jump into the deep end of Jim Anger's swimming pool. <laughs> this is not a tide you pool. Know, it kind of worked, so. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think it was. Um... Anyway, he's weird, but I don't dislike him. Could be the name of your biography. <laughs> That's that, that's an extra round of coffee mugs right there. <laughs> oh yeah, under the mugshot. <laughs> yeah, that, that I fit. like it. Um, t-shirt line, all this merch. We need to merch merch. Back up. Um, he's weird, but I don't dislike him, Jerry. Ayers. Um, <laughs> it's a very other... Jared way of saying it too. So <laughs> good on Jared. Uh, what other references? What other things do we pull up? Okay, so one one quick quote from a, I, I don't often quote Bible commentaries just because, at least in my really opinion. really not? <laughs> no, I, I don't that much. I, I okay. feel like the, the job Tell of the preacher is to <laughs> do a good enough job of, of summarizing all those commentaries that you don't need to bring it back in the kitchen. But maybe it's just podcasts. There we go. Here. One commentator on the book of Revelation to give and apologetic for the crazy imagery, the book of Revelation wages war on the reductionism that chokes awe. Mm. So the purpose of all the craziness in Revelation... That's the reason I didn't become an English major. (laughs) (laughs) Literally. There there we go, right? The reductionism that chokes awe. So, So he was saying that this 
cultural moment, we lack awe. And we even see this, I even see this with, with our kids as we watch movies mm-hmm. together, MC right. or otherwise, where all these fantastical things they're seeing on the screen, they're like, oh, this is just CGI. This, yeah, yeah. this isn't real. And so Revelation brings us back to a pre-modern place uh-huh. where we're actually called to be capable of awe before God. Right. And tried to tried to build that into what I was talking about from Revelation 5 a little bit. We had a couple of quotes to um, that I pulled from Eric Mitchell, who put together a ton of good materials about gathered worship. Mm-hmm. Uh, Church of the Incarnation, David Mathis, Habits of Grace, and then a Eugene Peterson quote. This is me doing a sermon from two weeks ago. I forget if that was in Eric's materials or if it was... It, it actually may have been in Eugene Peterson, his memoir called The Pastor, if I'm not mistaken, about how worship is something, and maybe I cut this for the sake of time, uh, I forget, but even when we go through the motions in worship, there are, there are good formative rhythms in which we're engaging, hmm. sort of like a sanctified fake it till you make it. Right. Don't wait until you're in the mood to worship to worship God, whether on a given Sunday morning or whether going to a Sunday morning. But put yourselves in the routines and rhythms of worship and sure. let God meet you in those things. I can things. see that as also with being in scripture or with praying. For sure. Like, not, sometimes you feel it, sometimes you don't. Right, not just... But you got to keep doing it. Right, waiting for the moment to strike you. But um, yeah. the, act of, the act of actually attending worship... Yeah. Um, even if even if it brings up boredom or uh, annoyance or whatever it is, like just to be present again, that presence thing and yeah. feel understand what you're feeling and and to have to work through the Holy Spirit, right? Figuring out why you're why you're feeling that way. Yeah, it's it's not Cialis when the moment is right. But moving on <laughs> to one other bar band cover tune that I think I used, Rebecca West. Uh-huh. She's a repeat. Black Lamb, Gray Lion. So travelogue from the early 20th century, Rebecca West, who is not a person of faith, went to the Balkans and just recorded what she saw. And it's a combination of travelogue, philosophical treatise, cultural critique. But she's somebody that repeatedly went to churches Mm -hmm. and was struck by the profundity of their worship, where in very war-torn, impoverished circumstances, with joy, these people are worshiping God for his goodness. And I wanted to be careful to include a quote like that in discussion about gathered worship. That that, that was one of the quotes that I kind of had kept in my back pocket for this sermon for a long time. Yeah, I I know that you quote her a lot. It's almost Henderson and the Rain King level, which is fine, I guess. But no, the concept of remembering that bigger picture or like deeper picture, mystical picture, mystery picture where gathered worship is not just the religion aspect of like making sure you're attending, but Mm -hmm. there is something driving and something that's like actually emotionally and spiritually driving your internal um, being when when you're in worship that is so important that even in difficult situations something real is happening that um, makes it more than just a routine or more than just like you, you were saying, fake yeah. it until you make it. Right, so, right. Uh, so that, that's good. Good stuff. Um, let's aspire to Liberty Collingswood being like that. Let's do it. Um, 
guitar slim pickings any leftovers let's see wanted to say that it was good to talk about liberty collingswood's birthday and it's it's true that there were a lot of sundays when i wasn't feeling it mm. but being in a situation where other people at church were feeling it mm -hmm. and yeah congregants helen wolves don't discount the lift that you can give to church leaders by your presence and enthusiasm for the things of God, including yeah. including gathered worship. So I did want to put a thank you note at the end of the sermon yeah. for thanks for the memories right. for, for the thanks years. Thanks for the setup team. Yeah. Number, number <laughs> the Uno setup team that was back in the beginning that now, you shouted out. I'm not sure if she listens to this podcast okay. or not, but I, okay. but I hope that she does. Uh -huh. And I'm very grateful for her. Um. And yeah, it's a good thing to kind of remember, remember those journeys, remember the, the, um, the stories behind the sermon, all right. this, the 10 years. Yes. A couple other things. So related to that sermon specifically, I, I cut a quote that was actually in the reflection quotes in the worship folder. I always hate to do that for the oh, sake of time. I'm sure a lot of people were complaining about that one. N.T. Wright was talking about how we're always worshipers anyway, and hey, we should think about worshiping God because if you're not worshiping God, you're worshiping things that are not worthy of yourself. Mm -hmm. Cut that for the sake of time. We had a lot of other moving pieces going on on Sunday morning. Also related to the sermon, Clara's other observation was that the story about the interview with Jared and Steve at the beginning was really good, but Clara also complained that that was kind of the only joke in the whole sermon. And so oh. she was disappointed that... <laughs> The humor train only had one stop. Yeah, yeah. It, it was a great illustration, though. And, like, I feel like it was multitudinal. I'm, I'm wanting to point out, um, we need to shout out Mark's tennis coach. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I'd forgotten like, about that. Even the source of the, the song. Uh, right. That that was one of the details that adds texture to a story. Yeah. The, the derivation of the bootleg cassette Re yeah. tape. Reveals By your, which I heard your belief the promise about for the first time. Artistic copyright. <laughs> <laughs> you know I'm big on artistic copyright, baby. <laughs> How many bootlegs do you have again? Do you keep count now at this point? I I don't keep count. So it, well, how many Bruce bootlegs do you own in estimate? There was at one point when everything was still on physical media that uh -huh. they had close to 500 right. Bruce Springsteen CDs. But now CDs. It's, it's lost. Now it's moved to the drive. cloud. And Bruce has begun his own archive series uh -huh. where there, I actually don't listen to a lot of he's his bootlegs anymore Wait, because he he's opened the vault. vault. Yes and no. <laughs> 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 Apparently, that's too long a story. Okay. Um, encore. How? Wait, wait, wait. Oh. Two other things. I said, <laughs> not related to the sermon. Uh, Am I did try to put more work into the Good Friday homily uh -huh. than previously? Yeah, I did appreciate it more. <laughs> okay, score. That's all we need to say about that. That's a win. And then also, there was somebody who was engaging with Micah, our 10th grader who asked after my vacation responder over email. Oh, and so, right, so, right. So, so that's also a win. When I get feedback about my vacation responders, that's me playing the long game yeah, right there. Even though, yeah, I, I'm not going to comment there. Okay. Um, so you're encouraging people to send you emails when you're on vacation. Gosh. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I never thought of that. Uh, maybe you're Say encouraging so. the, the howling oh, wolves. No. The howling wolves are allowed I've to create a monster. <laughs> If you want to see Jim's vacation messages, email Helen Wolf entries to J J Well, no, I won't. <laughs> yeah, I, I 
opened my inbox for the first time right before this podcast. There's a lot of emails. It's a veritable jungle down uh-huh, there. Uh-huh. Um, happy vacation. Welcome back. Mm. Um, do we have any Helen Wolves? Got some Helen Wolves related to the Five Golden Thing, or some Turtle Doves, I should say. You know, I was thinking, like, we, we listened to the Ringer, the Ringer, uh, podcast the like midnight boys having their like sound effect do you have a do you have a turtle dove sound effect for us oh no 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 cool cool <laughs> okay well there's more where that came okay, from no, never on, mind. on I five golden things strike, strike that from the request line so we'll get to that I'll, i will put those turtle doves with the podcast for the five golden it things was a great podcast. Listen, it was a lot if of you fun. want more information about how jim why jim is jim then listening to his um podcast on his dad and the podcasts that he did with clara those two will yeah. give you insight intergenerational so if you want to learn about james c anger jr why not listen why don't you listen to james c anger senior right hmm um, and in closing, tell your friends about this podcast. Easter dinner, I my sister told my brother about this podcast. That's right. Let's see if he's listening. Probably not all the way to this Shout point. out. <laughs> Shout out to my sister who might be listening um, all to the way all the way to the very end, she's which a, is great. She's a pretty regular yeah, Helen Wolf. Yeah, yeah. Do you have a Helen Wolf sound bite? No, never mind. That'll be on never Five mind. Golden Things. Okay, okay. Cross-pollination. Um, Synergistics is what we're all Do you have anything else here. to plug? You have... You have five golden things to plug. You would say plug is a... Uh, I listen to too many podcasts. <laughs> yeah. I, I I need to get back to my emails now. Okay. <laughs> and with that, how was it? That was amazing. Thanks so much for joining us. This has been the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem, a production of Liberty Collingswood. Go ahead, rate, review, and subscribe, and you can find all things Liberty Collingswood at libertycollingswood.org. No more post-Sunday blues. Here comes some pre-Sunday happy. Hopefully it's going away soon. It's going away soon. I already told you it is. But it's supposed to be today.